Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. My guest this week on our game day segment is Wolverine.com editor Chris Ballas. There is a lot of good stuff going on around the Michigan athletic scene right now, and Chris is on top of it. He'll be along in just a minute. First, a few news and notes to get us started. John Beeline and his team cracked the top 25 last week for the first time this season. Not that it matters in January, but it's still nice to be recognized. Despite a very poor showing against Nebraska, we are still in the top 25 to start another week. A gritty win over Rutgers at home probably didn't hurt. On Thursday, we head down to West Lafayette to battle with Purdue. I don't think anyone gives us much of a chance down at their place, especially the way they're playing right now. But who knows? If anyone is a matchup problem for Purdue, it's us. Needless to say, a win down there would be huge. Coach Barnes Arico and her surging team will be at home tonight against Michigan State. We're recording on Tuesday. Led by all-time leading scorer Caitlin Flaherty, this team is getting better and better each week. I think it's safe to say this is Coach Barnes Arico's best team since taking over the program six years ago, and we're only one game back in the Big Ten race. Jim Harbaugh has been shaking up his staff since the end of the season. Most of us thought this could happen, especially with the offensive staff. Jim knows last year's offensive performance was simply unacceptable. There were a lot of reasons why the offense struggled, and I won't take the time to run down the list, but the bottom line is we have to be better next year. The changes might not be over yet, so stay tuned. It was a big recruiting weekend for Michigan football, the last before National Signing Day on February 7th. We have 16 commits signed, sealed, and delivered right now, and could possibly add another four or five. Jim is targeting some high-profile players in hopes of a strong finish. The class is ranked number 14 right now nationally and number three in the Big Ten. If we get a few of the kids we're after, like Otis Reese and the Patterson kid from California, we could end up with a top 10 class. It is still possible. I love this time of the year. Uh, Men and women's hoops are in the heart of their seasons. Hockey is surging under first-year head coach Mel Pearson. Wrestling is competing at a high level in the insanely competitive Big Ten. And swimming and diving is doing what they always do under coach Mike Bottom, delivering up excellence in the pool. There is more than enough to keep our attention until spring practice starts. And Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com is with me today to talk about the very busy winter athletic scene. So stay with us here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. With us on our game day segment this week, and it's been a while, is editor Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com. It's great to have you back with us, Chris. Hey, Mike. Thanks a lot. Well, there is a lot going on in the athletic scene, January, February, the winter months. Let's start with Michigan uh, men's basketball, though, Chris. Sunday at Chrysler, shaky offensive game, but the defense very strong, as it has been for most of this year. It was ugly, but it was a W. And that's all that matters, right? And it was like John Beeline said. He said this team is gassed. You could see it. You could see it on the floor really for the last three games. After that Michigan State game, you had, I think it was three games in six days and four and nine. And 
I guess that's the price you have to pay is what John Beeline said. If you're going to play the big 10 tournament in New York, which is what they're going to do at Madison square garden. He didn't seem to have a problem with it, but when I look at it, I, I see, boy, you know, quite the sacrifice in my opinion to have to play all these games and not really fair to the kids. And then you get a week off after the big 10 tournament before the NCAA tournament starts. Somebody posted on our message board today, Michigan could realistically play one game in 16 or 17 days leading up to the NCAA tournament. That To me, that doesn't make any sense, and I don't think that's a good thing. I think having that much rest, uh, maybe you get a little bit complacent. But you got to give them credit for what they've accomplished here in the first half of the season, 6-3, and three, having played one of the tougher schedules in Big Ten play in that span, having to go to Ohio State. We now know which that Ohio State is for real, having to play Purdue at home and having to play at Michigan State. And being able to pick up the big win there was absolutely huge for the for the resume. So right now they're playing for seeding. They get a day off today. John Beeline said after that Rutgers game before going to Purdue on Thursday, not many are going to give them an opportunity or a chance to win that game. But that is a team that they match up well with. And if they could steal one there, man, they'd be a great way to start the second half of the Big Ten season. And heading into this week's uh, action, the team 17-5 and five overall, as you mentioned, 6-3 and three, uh, in the Big Ten. So far at this point, your thoughts on the team? Better than you expected? You know what? Probably, but it's weird because they aren't what you would expect uh, of a John Beeline team. They aren't great offensively, and you can't point to one guy that you can say can take over a game. Like Derek Walton, for example, the point guard position is still kind of up and down. Xavier Simpson's been good at times. There's been times where you look at it and say, okay, he needs to be better, but it's always somebody different stepping up. And Mo Wagner, obviously, is the guy that you point to and say, okay, that's the guy that makes this team go. But uh, defensively is where I'm surprised. Luke Yaklich, the, the new uh New assistant coach has been really doing a great job with the defense there. And, and John Beeline credited Billy Donlin last year for the different way that they do some things and, and credited Yaklich yesterday for for uh, really kind of building on that and, and playing the gaps differently. And, and you can see that you've got a few guys committed to it. Muhammad Ali Abdur-Rahman at the shooting guard position. Xavier Simpson is the best on-the-ball on defender I've seen at guard since Gary Grant, and I'm dating myself, but that was in the 1980s, and, and I think he was a defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. So uh, you can see that they're really committed to that end of the floor, and that's why you're able to gut out games against teams like Rutgers when you don't play very well. Rutgers is not the dog they used to be. And their coach said yesterday, they said, he said, that is a good defensive basketball team. And can't remember many times that opposing coaches have gone up there to that podium after a game and said, this is a good defensive basketball team. But Michigan has really gotten to that point now where they're able to win games, as John Beeline said, when they're not playing very well offensively. Offensively, the ball was sticking a little bit. They were short on their jump shots. They weren't finishing at the rim. Not not much concentration there, which is obviously a sign of fatigue as well. So to be able to do it the way they are, seventeen and five, six and three, got to keep it up and have a strong second half. But right now, I would say, yeah, they're they're a little bit ahead of schedule. And wherever this team goes, or how far this team goes, we have to have a healthy Mo Wagner. Did it look to you like he maybe tweaked that ankle a bit yesterday? Yeah, it's going to be one of those things that I think bothers him for much of the year. And and you're hoping that with this next couple of weeks, they don't have as many games that maybe he can get some time to rest and get in that cold tub and get some, some treatment on that thing. So that, he, But, you know, he said more than anything it was annoying. He tweaked it before the Michigan State game, and we'd heard that it was to the point, bothering him to the point where even John Beeline admitted they weren't sure that he was going to play against the Spartans. Good thing he did because he willed them to a win and was the reason that they won that game with 26, 27 points 
a career high. But it's a bummer because you hate to see him in what could be his last year in a Michigan uniform being bogged down by an injury kind of the way that Karis LeVert was. But he's playing through it. He's still playing at a high level and uh, making critical shots, made a couple of critical threes against Rutgers on Sunday as well and has done that in just about every game. So they need him. They need him healthy, though, to make a run. And I guess that'll be one area that the rest before the NCAA tournament could help Michigan get a a healthy Mo Wagner back and get those guys rested and ready after that Big Ten tournament. Well, over on uh, the women's hoop side, a big week for Coach barnes Rico and her team, a win against a top-10 Ohio State team down there in Columbus. Huge yeah. milestone, though, for Caitlin Flaherty, now the leading scorer in Michigan basketball history, passing Glenn Rice. And uh, on Sunday, he said he was very proud of that. What a great little player she is, Chris. She is, and it's fun to watch. And I don't watch a ton of women's Michigan women's basketball, to be honest, but uh, watching her, it's phenomenal what she's able to do. And, and it was so cool to see that yesterday, Glenn Rice being out there and kind of passing the torch to her because I remember I was there back in 1989 down in, uh, down in Kentucky when they played in the regional uh, against uh, Virginia and against North Carolina and seeing Glenn Rice in person, what he did, I thought that was the most outstanding performance I'd ever seen uh, in, in my life. And still, and still to this day, I think he still has the record for, for points scored in an NCAA tournament when he led him to the national championship in 89. So I thought that was great, but getting that win at Ohio state, Hey, nice to have one team be able to beat the Buckeyes, right? <laughs> if you look at it that way and to be able to, to, to get that one down there uh, was absolutely huge. They came back to do it. So uh, this is a program on the rise. She's been a fantastic coach. I think this is one of those things where you're going to see the program continue to build, kind of like hockey uh, under Mel Pearson, where you're going to see this thing continue to get better and better until they're playing at at the high level that we expect. This is a fun team to watch. There's balance. Uh, Of course, Caitlin is uh, the go-to gal. Big win, 86-42 to follow up that Ohio State victory uh, back here at Chrysler. Coach Barnes-Rico has done just a fabulous job building the foundation in the program. Sometimes I don't think we talk enough about her. She's just an outstanding coach. It looks to me like this team is getting better and better right now as the season progresses. Yeah, without question. And she's recruiting at a high level, too. So ultimately, the goal here is to to get this thing where they're making the tournament every year, right? And uh, and get that interest in Michigan women's basketball that we haven't seen. There have been too many times that they haven't gotten the attention that they deserve. I think that's going to be different this year and, and continue to grow. It helps both programs when they're both good. We've seen it down the road at Michigan State, right? When that Tom Izzo's program took off, Michigan State women's basketball took off, and they were actually filling that arena for some games. So you'd love to see that happen with this program. They deserve it. I met Kim at a Eufer banquet function when she first arrived in town uh, and was completely blown away uh, by her. And uh, the fact that she came to that and and introduced herself to people, number one, but uh, just the way that she presents herself, I think that is definitely a program on the rise. Well, heading into this week's action, they're 17-4 and four overall, 6-2 and two in the Big Ten. They've won four in a row, only one game back in the standings right now. So not only are they in the Big Ten title hunt, but an NCAA double-A berth, very, very possible. Yeah, and you need to see that. Uh, won the women's NIT recently, and uh, but again, getting to that next level is tough. We saw it with, you know, it was 11 years that Michigan men's basketball didn't go to the NCAA tournament. 
and everybody takes it for granted, uh, it, you know, when you go so much so often. But once you get there, you don't want to take a step back either, and that's why recruiting is so important. She's doing a great job in that respect too. So I hope more and more people watch it. Uh, I caught part of the Illinois game on, on TV the other day, and, uh, you know, boy, they play. They play at a high level. It's just a really a really good team and very well coached. With us on our game day segment this week is editor Chris Ballas from the Wolverine.com. Chris, it was a big recruiting weekend for Michigan, the last, I think, before National Signing Day, whatever that means now. And yeah. So Sunday, we picked up another verbal, Chris, uh, Vincent Gray from uh, Rochester Adams. Now, we got in late on him, but he seems to be one of those long, lean uh, NFL type of corners that people like now. Yeah, you hope he's an NFL type of corner, but he is certainly long, 6'1", 165 pounds, so he's going to have to put on some weight, but uh you could tell, you know, once he got that offer, uh, we've known for a while that, you know, it's going to be one of those things where he probably accepts it. So the, he does have a frame, though, that, that should be, he should be able to add some muscle and some weight. So, but uh, still has a burst and, and some really, really great quickness and straight line speed. But you look at a guy like Spider Sims, Miles Sims, uh, out of Atlanta Westlake, and he, here's another kid that's really tall. And a couple of the freshmen, Benjamin St. Just is a big kid. So, um, you know, that's going to be one of those things where they're getting that kind of corner that they like. Rangy, still fast. You know, everybody wants to compare him to Charles Woodson. There's only one Charles Woodson, guys, you know, that that's able to play like that. But they have the size that they're looking for. And guys like Jordan Lewis and uh, have proven, for example, Lavert Hill have proven that you don't have to be huge to be a great to be a great cornerback, and uh, and Jordan Lewis had a fantastic year with the Dallas Cowboys. So, but if you can get a guy like that who can move well and also has the length and uh, to to be able to to defend, then you're doing something right. So that's the kind of guy that they're looking for, and uh, and he'll certainly add to that mix. Adding to that mix is Utah corner Casey Hughes. He announced over the weekend he's going to be transferring here for his fifth year. I never heard much about him until the story broke over the weekend, Chris. What do you know about him? Uh, that he played corner there for 11 games and is probably going to be a safety here and can play that position, so he's going to add depth at that position. You know, you look at the safety position at Michigan, you still need some bodies there, so having him there, a kid who uh, we heard was probably going to you know, be fighting for his job at Utah, they have some really good young talent there, but would have played for them certainly had played on special teams up and for the most part in his career up until this year when he had a really good year for them. So uh, should add some depth for them. And we've heard that, uh, you know, that he was in really, they were, he was looking at a change of scenery. He announced it, I think a few weeks ago on Twitter, and we heard that Michigan was in the mix. Then he visited this weekend and uh, boom, that was it. So he'll certainly help the depth there and uh, we'll see how much he plays. You know, you never know. They've had other transfers come in, and, and you look at him and say, okay, this guy's going to start. Didn't happen, but was able to contribute on special teams. At the very least, he is one of those security blankets at that position. You can never have enough bodies. Well, and also late last week and over the weekend, there were some reports that I was reading about Michigan pursuing an offensive tackle from Rice. Are there any other fifth-year players Jim and the staff are still interested in at this point? Yeah, in addition to him, um, I think Kelvin Anderson's his name. Um, there There'll be some others that they look at. They need some, they need some depth on the offensive line. They need some tackles. You don't know what's going to happen with Grant Newsom. And we'd heard months ago that there were some SEC tackles that were interested in transferring. You know, and that Michigan might be a destination. We haven't heard anything on that front since then. It's been kind of on lockdown in there, and and understandably so. You know, there there are 
several schools out there that are looking going to go the same route with the grad transfers, and if they can keep it on the down low, they will. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, but landing a tackle, I think, is paramount, and that's where the rice transfer comes into play because uh, you know you look at right now they've got a lot of guys suited for the interior line but not those tackles that you look at and say, okay, this is a guy that's going to man that position. And you can make the argument that they had five interior linemen playing on the line this year. You know, Mason Cole is going to be one of those guys who plays center, probably your guard at the next level. And uh, you didn't have a guy on the right side, Juwan Bushel Beatty. You had kind of the, the rotate rotation there where nobody stepped up and took that job. So that's some an area where they're going to have to continue to develop some of the younger guys and continue to address that in recruiting. But if you can get a grad transfer right now, it's only a few positions where Michigan's lacking and they're addressing that with the transfers, including Shea Patterson, obviously a quarterback. So uh, the more you get and, and the more help you can get, Obviously, it's not ideal uh, to not have a guy that's been in the program for a long time come in and secure that position, but we saw with Jake Rudock, for example, it can certainly help your team in the short run, and that's the route that they appear to be going at this point. Well, you just mentioned Shea Patterson. From everything I'm hearing, the NCAA is supposed to come back with some kind of a ruling or uh, some kind of a word on whether he will be able to play immediately. Is there any reason to think that he won't be after what happened down there at Ole Miss? Only that the NCAA is so goofy, Mike, and that you never know what they're going to do. And there are some things that seem like a slam dunk, and it certainly does, according to the people close to him and the people that we've spoken with, they have a great case, and they're very confident in their case and the lawyers and everybody else. However, we've seen some head-scratching decisions from the NCAA at both ways when it comes to uh, things like that. So I do believe that Shea Patterson will be eligible. I think we'll probably know in the first week of February. And if he has to appeal it, he probably will. Hopefully that it doesn't come down to that, though. This is a guy who, in my opinion, is the key piece to a big 2018. You've got a, a schedule that has been ranked the toughest in the country. You've got to go to Notre Dame. You've got to go to Michigan State. You've got to go to Ohio State. Wisconsin at home, Penn State at home. It's unbelievable, that stretch. And you need a guy that uh, that can make plays if the offensive line, which has been suspect here for too long, isn't doing its job at times. A guy can get out of the pocket and run a little bit, and you can do some things with him with his feet. And I think he fits the bill. Nothing against Brandon Peters, and I think that Dylan McCaffrey is going to be a great quarterback here in time. But right now you need that dynamic guy, and we've seen how one guy at Georgia, for example, we've seen it with at the pro level with San Francisco and Jimmy Garoppolo, how one guy at that right position can make a huge difference in wins and losses. I think Shea Patterson would be that guy for Michigan. Well, staff changes have been interesting to watch uh, since the season ended, Chris. I think we all knew some were coming. I don't know if we knew this many were coming. Um, over yeah. the, the weekend, it was announced former Ohio State assistant Ed Warner has uh, been hired. He was at Minnesota last year, offensive line coach and running game coordinator. It sounds, though, like he's replacing Scott Turner as an analyst, isn't he, Chris? Possibly, uh, and but I want to see how things shake out yet because they are not assigning positions yet in, in to some of these guys, what makes it, which makes it you believe that maybe some other changes are coming. For example, we continue to hear that Pep Hamilton, passing game coordinator, is flirting with the NFL, and uh, the Oakland Raiders are one team very interested in him. They have not assigned a position you know, they hired um, uh, Dan Enos as a wide receivers coach, but then they came out and said, uh, they put that in his contract, I believe, and then they came out and said, well, his position will be assigned at a later time. So I think there's still some more shaking out to go, but a lot of new faces and a lot of new names. And some people will say, well, that's not how you want to do things. You want to have 
you don't want so much staff turnover. You know, you want to keep things uh, the, the way that they've been and, and for, for the sake of, uh, of continuity. But if you look at some of the areas in which they were lacking uh, this year, you know, they, they needed a shakeup at some positions. I thought the passing game was pedestrian and the routes and everything else, the offensive line play wasn't nearly good enough. We've seen Greg Fry take a job at Florida state. So, uh, and you need to get a few more re- recruiters on staff, in my opinion, too. I think Dan Enos fits the bill there. I think Al Washington's a great recruiter who's probably going to be coaching linebackers. We think Chris Partridge keeping him is huge. We think he could be coaching safeties. So, but they're adding some guys, Sharon Moore, another one who's going to be coaching tight ends and, uh, and another great recruiter. They need some of those guys because as we, as you know, Mike recruiting is obviously huge. And in my opinion, they didn't have enough guys on staff getting it done in that area. Well, the whole Dan Enos hire, I think is fascinating to, to Michigan fans. Man, did I hear about it as soon as we uh, hired him? I think we all did. <laughs> the most fascinating piece of it to me was when his uh, contract was made public. And to say he took a pay cut is an understatement after making over 800000 at Arkansas the last three years as an offensive coordinator. Well, he comes here, and there, but there was that asterisk that I think is yep. the intriguing aspect if the title coordinator is added, which makes you wonder with uh, Tim Drevno and Dan Enos on staff now, is, is, is that something that's maybe going to change down the road? Yeah, or Pep Hamilton. If Pep Hamilton were to move on and he moves in as passing game coordinator, then, you know, you're making $750,000, I believe is what it is. And we've heard that he's got a line on that. That was part of the reason that he took the job was that he was expecting to be promoted sooner than later, probably. And uh, whether that meant that Pep Hamilton was, you know, seriously pursuing other jobs, which we know he has been, his name has been linked to a number of them, whatever it is, we believe that Dan Enos believes that he's going to be in that position sooner than later. So that's another reason. And you don't know if whether it's going to be announced after signing day, like you said, signing day is a little bit different now. They're going to be about, add probably about five kids uh, to this class or have five kids signed. Most of them are already been signed in the early signing period, but that's something that we'll have to see. And, uh, you know, what happens with these coordinators, how the duties are allocated going forward. So what we do know is that whoever's coaching where it needs to get better, that defense was plenty good enough to win championships the last two years. The offense has been a failure and that's on Jim Harbaugh. He's got to do a better job and he understands that. And I think you're going to see a guy, uh, who really approaches this coming season, like he says, with that enthusiasm unknown to mankind that for whatever reason seemed to be lacking last year, he seemed much more subdued, but I think he understands this is a huge year. This is a year where they've got a lot of returning starters. If they can get that offense fixed, they've got a chance to win a lot of games this coming fall. Well, a lot of other things going on at campus, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show right now, Chris Hockey, uh, Coach Mel Pearson, of course, back behind the bench in his first year as head coach. Swept Penn State over the weekend. Penn State number 10 uh, coming into this past weekend's action. They did the same up in Minnesota uh, last weekend on the road. So, hey, that's four in a row. They've been playing some good hockey lately. And getting some good goaltending, and that's the big thing. Penn State did not... Penn State did not score, I think, in that series until the last two minutes of the, of the second game, and they scored a couple of quick ones. But to be able to hang on and to be able to win that series, uh, you know, the, Penn, the Big Ten has not been kind to either Michigan team, Michigan or Michigan State, but to see them improve, that's what you expect out of a Michigan program and what we saw under Red Berenson for so many years. And we thought that uh, it was probably time, needed a much-needed shot in the arm. Mel's really getting it done on the recruiting trail. But to go up to Minnesota, that's a tough place to play. And, and to win two games up there uh, is very impressive. Then to come home, 
prove that it's no fluke. Penn State's had Michigan's number here over the last few years, and to get those two is huge. Now you got a big series coming up at Ohio State. So if they can, uh, in my opinion, split that one, keep the momentum going, uh, then you've got something going there. But uh, it's tough. I think it's tougher than people expected. Notre Dame, in my opinion, has, has been much tougher than I expected in the Big Ten, and, and that's a program that has really risen to become a Midwest power. So that is one one tough conference. And uh, But Michigan – Michigan's history uh, dictates and and that they should be up there at at the top of it. You know, after dominating the CCHA for so long and everything else, they need to be competitive. And you're starting to see that with Mel. I think this program is going to get back to the glory days where Brad Berenson had them cruising year in and year out, going to NCAA tournaments every year. And, and then the last four games have been absolutely huge in terms of getting the momentum toward that. Oh, absolutely. And a shout out to, uh, as you mentioned, sophomore goaltender Hayden Levine. You look at those numbers from this weekend against Penn State, stopped 75 of 77 shots <laughs> in the weekend, which is crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so he's a yep. big reason over the last four games and really over the last month why this team is getting better. Yes, uh, uh, the D is playing better, but he seems to be gaining in confidence uh, between the pipes. Exactly. And you need that. And and if there's one guy, right, just like the quarterback we're talking about, out in football, if there's one guy that can carry a team, it's a goaltender. We saw Marty Turco do it in 1998 and lead Michigan to a national championship on a team that a lot of people didn't think had any business winning one. So if they can continue to get that kind of goaltending, it's got to remain consistent. You know, and a lot it just kind of came out of nowhere. I don't think a lot of people expected that. I think they expected the platoon, and and you're kind of hoping. But if he can continue to play like that, and, and it's no fluke, he made some great saves. Uh, he had a, he had a great couple of of games then Michigan's going to be formidable. And uh, the offense is going to come around, continue to come around, uh, and they're adding more and more pieces each year. Uh, we've got a list on our site of, of the recruits coming in that they've, that they've got coming in over the next couple of years. This thing, in my opinion, is just going to continue to build. Uh, and it's past due. You know, Red uh, tailed off in, in the last few years probably. And uh, uh, at the same time, uh, he had a great career. And you can't take anything away from him. But it was time. And I think you're going to see Mel Pearson bring this program back to where it should be. Well, in other uh, action, wrestling, something I've been taking. I've always been a wrestling fan, but I've been watching very closely. It's almost obscene how good the Big Ten is this year. Number yeah. eight, Michigan routed. Number 13, Minnesota, 30-7. to seven in Minneapolis over the weekend, and it seems like every meet is with a top 10 or top 25 team, Chris. The Big Ten is just ridiculously loaded, isn't it? It is, and it's kind of like volleyball, you know, where the best teams in the country are in your conference. So if you're making the NCAA tournament or if you're finishing in the top 10, uh, then you've accomplished something. So I was watching them against Penn State, uh, you know, a couple of uh, a couple of weeks ago, and you're thinking, my God, every match it seemed like, you know, you've got national championship contenders, and that's the way it is in the Big Ten, and it's fun to watch. I don't think enough people give that program enough credit either uh, or pay enough attention to it. That's been a program that's been very good for a long time, but it kind of gets lost. You know, you can go back to the 80s with Dan Gable in Iowa, and it's always been that way uh, in the Big Ten. So, But uh, credit to them. Uh, for that big win, and uh, we'll see what happens, man. But they've got a they've got a lot of guys that have 
the ability to, to make all American and to do some damage in, in the uh, in the tournament. So it should be fun to watch. Yeah, and right now, for people that aren't paying attention, they're seven and two overall, four and one in the Big Ten. We still have meets with uh, Iowa and Ohio State. Really, there's just no night off in the Big Ten, as we just mentioned. But for wrestling fans this year, not only watching Michigan but the Big Ten, it, it really doesn't get any better than this. No, it doesn't. And like I mentioned with volleyball, you know, it was the same thing every every week. It seemed like they're playing a top ten opponent or a top five opponent or the number one team in the country uh and it's just one of those things so uh but credit to them uh you know beating the number 13 team in the country like they did not just beating them but handling them you know great accomplishment well another sport just on, on a final note here chris that we just don't give enough credit to i don't think it's enough attention but it's swimming and diving and just excellence year after year they want to try meet over the weekend down to columbus beating ohio state and virginia tech they're ranked number seven this week. Again, I don't think Coach Mike Bottom gets the credit he deserves, Chris. He is one of the very best coaches on campus and in the country, isn't he? Yeah, he really is. And that's, uh, like you said, year after year of, of excellence. You almost take it for granted, right? Yeah. When you look at some of these programs and, uh, you know, when it comes to the Director's Cup and things like that, the standings for, for uh, you know, these are the programs that really elevate Michigan year after year by providing key, point, key points uh, toward that you know, the all sports title, uh, which Stanford's always going to win because they have a million and a half sports to choose from. However, uh, you know, Michigan, Michigan has, has a history there as well. And that you're right. That's a program that also is underappreciated. So, um, and you know, we don't cover the, the Olympic sports as much as we used to in the magazine, just because it's, uh, we're a monthly now at the same time, you know, everybody's like, well, what pays the bills? But we always have a section there dedicated to that because these people deserve their due too. They, they work as hard as anybody else for, for just a fraction of the acclaim that some of these other sports do on campus and they're doing a fantastic job. Well, one more question and then we'll let you get on your way, Chris. Uh, do we have sure. a start date uh, for spring football practice yet? Uh, we don't, not that we're aware of, and we're still kind of waiting too to hear what's going to happen if they're going to go to Normandy and go to Paris, uh, which was the plan. Uh, and uh, I think that's still the plan. They were telling Shea Patterson and others that that's what they were going to do this fall. So we don't know exactly when, but next time I'm on, Mike, I will have an answer for you on that. And uh, and I'm hopeful they'll go. I'm going to purchase my ticket if they go. We did not go to Rome last time, and I regret that. They had a great time and uh, certainly a bonding opportunity for that team. And uh, and I would imagine this one would be as well. My guest today has been Chris Ballas, editor of TheWolverine.com. And Chris, as always, great to have you with us. And we look forward to having you back very soon. You bet. Thanks for having me, Mike. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, thanks again to editor Chris Ballas from TheWolverine.com for being with us this week. He's always a great guest. As Chris mentioned, we don't have a date for the start of spring practice yet, and there hasn't been much said about when the team will be leaving for Europe or even exactly where they will be going. We should find out soon, though. Believe it or not, softball and baseball can officially begin workouts this week. In just two weeks, softball will open the season in the stacked Wilson D. Marini tournament down in Florida, and baseball gets underway a week later. We hope to include more coverage of both of those teams in the coming weeks. 
So it's a big week for John Beeline's team. A win on Thursday down in West Lafayette would keep us in the thick of the Big Ten race. A loss won't be the end of the world. We're still on track for a better-than-expected finish and another trip to the Big Dance. I, for one, don't think this team has even peaked yet. As is usually the case in January and February, Coach B is putting the pieces together. We've watched him do it for 11 years now, and if we've learned one thing, it's this. His teams are always better in March. So let's enjoy watching this young team grow. Tonight, the women play Michigan State at Chrysler Center. The Spartans have a lot of injuries, but are still a good team. And yes, they're still the Spartans. So a win against them is always satisfying. Hockey will ride their four-game winning streak down to Columbus for a weekend series against Ohio State. Coach Pearson's young team has a four-game winning streak and is getting outstanding play in the nets from sophomore goalie Hayden Levine. Even a split would be nice this weekend, but a sweep would be sweet and set this team up for a big finish. Don't forget you can get our free show app from the Google Play and iTunes stores. You can also hear the show on iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Wolverine Sports Radio. If you get the show from iTunes, I would ask that you please take a minute or so to rate or comment on the program. It really does help, so thank you in advance. That will do it for another week. I'm not sure who we'll have on the show next week, but rest assured, we shall return. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Until we meet again, take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!